you know, ultimately the, the purpose-built rental market in the post-COVID world will look very similar to that of, of the pre-COVID world, at least in Toronto. Hello, and welcome to Sink or Swim, a bi-weekly podcast brought to you by RentSync, where we provide an insider's look into the prop tech, multifamily, and rental housing industry. In each episode, we take a deep dive into the technologies and strategies that have helped companies overcome operational challenges and increase the value of their multifamily investments. So without further delay, let's get into today's discussion. Welcome back to Sink or Swim. I'm Mitch Fanning from RentSync, formerly LWS. And joining me today is Julian Battiston, the co-founder and CEO of The Open Group, a Toronto-based real estate company who focuses on upscale, purpose-built developments. Julian, how are you doing today? Doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad you, uh, you decided to do this. I'm excited to talk about really all things uh, purpose-built. And, but before we kind of get into the conversation, maybe you can give us a quick intro and also specifically talk about how you got started in real estate development and specifically, I guess, the purpose-built rental market. Sure. Well, I got into real estate development, I would say somewhat unexpectedly. In fact, I began my career in IT, uh, of all things, right out of school in 2001. Uh, which I'm not sure if you recall, but that was really the height of the dot-com bubble. Yeah, I, I started working for a, a tech startup in Germany. Um, and ironically, not only was the company developing software for the real estate industry, uh, but the, the startup's co-founder, Mark Bretterman, would a decade later become my business partner in OpenFlats. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, life kind of works in funny ways. But anyway, shortly after I, I arrived in Germany, uh, to start my job, 9-11 happened. And that essentially marked the beginning of the end of the, the, the dot-com bubble. And within eight months, uh, the company closed its doors. I was back in Toronto uh, with no job, <laughs> not really a, a, an idea of what I was gonna do next. And then one day out of the blue, I, I get a call from a family friend who was uh, a home builder. And he asked if I would be interested in a job in the construction industry. And I took it. I figured I had nothing at that point to lose. And I, I ended up spending the next eight years there uh, building um, both low-rise subdivision housing and, and, and high-rise uh, residential developments throughout the, the GTA. And then in, in 2010, I decided that I wanted to give it a go on my own. And it, during this entire period, I had, I had stayed in touch with Mark, although he lived in Germany. You know, he was really no stranger to Canada. His family owned uh, some property here that they acquired back in, in the 70s. They, that included some older rental buildings. And while he always wanted to expand the portfolio of, of rental properties, he, he really he lacked the boots on the ground to make that happen. So mm -hmm. you know, here I was on my own uh, with some solid construction and, and development experience under my belt. And we felt that at, at that point, you know, we had... Uh, our interests were aligned and we'd make good business partners and we decided to create OpenFloss together. So right off the bat, there's a lot to unpack there. And I feel like I'm about to go off script a little bit. Uh, Cause so um, as you were speaking, as you were talking, uh, uh, I, I couldn't help, but think you went through the dot com, 
uh, you decided to get into real estate development uh, really just after uh, 2008, uh, really the financial crisis. And now it's 2020 and we're kind of going through COVID-19. Um, so you've literally gone through three uh, interesting time periods. Um, I guess my first question is, maybe we can elaborate why, why the shift, why not continue down the tech path? Why, why the shift into, into real estate from, from technology? Honestly, it wasn't a conscious decision. Look, I was, I was 25 years old at the time, you know, and looking back, it's, it's easy to, to, to try to think about what I was thinking back then. But <laughs> it, honestly, it was, um, it was an opportunity that come, I, I, I had always been intrigued by the, the building and development industry, although I knew very little about it. There, there was something you know, tangible about real estate development that I, I liked. And I, I kind of, I, I saw myself in that world. And then once the, present, uh, the opportunity presented itself, I, I, you know, I went for it. Um, the, the, the tech, I, I think I, I was put it this way. I think I was better suited for real estate development than I was technology. Sure. Uh, it just, you know, at that time, everyone or everyone at my age uh, seemed to be going down that path and, and trying to somehow get into, uh, you know, technology. I even in, during university, I had a, a web design company. I was building websites for you know friends and family. It was just that was the thing you did <laughs> back then. But um, anyhow, uh, you know, I, I went from there. I took this opportunity uh, to get into real estate and and never looked back. And I'm quite thankful I I took that risk at that time. And you know, as you kind of walk me through that, I'm kind of getting a sense of how you have kind of become known for creating that new segment of purpose-built rentals with really a, a focus on good design. Um, that being kind of the mid-rise townhome uh, that you, you know, projects that you've been working on. Um, so it's kind of interesting. I also starting to connect the dots on your, you, you're really kind of seen as a, an innovator, you know, in not only design, but also how some of these projects are being financed. And maybe that's just, you know, again, because you've, you've had that outside experience. Um, I guess, you know, going back to kind of the questions I had, we kind of started down that uh, answering this, but how did you specifically get the idea for open flats? Right. So uh, at that time, we had recognized, and I'm referring back to 2010, we, there was this growing number, or we, we were seeing this growing number of people, especially millennials, turning to the rental market. Um, the problem was the, the options for these renters were quite limited, particularly in the, the higher end rental market. We, we also felt that the property management model was entirely outdated. You know, they hadn't yet adopted the, the service culture that had been adopted by virtually every other industry. So the, the vision was to create a, a rental concept that would be entirely unique to the multifamily sector. This meant developing rental buildings that not only combined contemporary design with, with a very strong emphasis on customer service, but we, we thought we, we wanted to do, do that through a, a truly urban lifestyle rental brand. I mean, the idea ultimately was, was to recreate 
in our buildings, that, that vibe and atmosphere you'd experience when you walked into one of your favorite boutique hotels. And, right. And, and it was more than just creating that experience through, you know, fancy lobbies. We, we really thought hard about, you know, activating those spaces, you know, through some really interesting programming. We, we would regularly host catered events with DJs and, and bartenders. We curated our own music playlists. We developed a signature scent. You know, these things are a little more common today, but, you know, five or six years ago in the, in the purpose-built rental market, these, these ideas were quite novel. And it was, it was also clear to us in those early days that if we were really going to fulfill that vision, uh, we, we had to retain control of the construction and, and property management functions. Uh, we just wouldn't be able to rely on some third party to, to, to build it out for us. So we, we created two new divisions, uh, Open Build and Open PM, to take care of that. And, and since then, Open Group's really evolved into this vertically integrated platform around new purpose-built rental developments. And we build them not only for ourselves, but other landowners and institutional groups as well that are looking for that turnkey brand and, and management solution for their own new rentals. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So it's interesting because, you know, really I was going to kind of ask, you know, in your view, you know, why there is such a need for this type of housing. Uh, Obviously you've answered that, I guess, kind of a, a follow-up to that was, you know, what do you feel has changed, uh, if any, if anything, uh, now kind of that we're in this kind of post-COVID or, or in this kind of a new normal uh, in, your, in, your, uh, in your view? Uh, well, I would say immediately when, when, when COVID hit, we incorporated stricter cleaning measures and guidelines in, into the daily operations of our buildings, which I'm sure we'll, we'll maintain, we will maintain indefinitely. Um, but you know, looking and thinking about the longer term impacts of, of COVID, I would say uh, COVID has really accelerated our, our timeline for adapting smart technologies in our buildings as, as a way to keep our, our residents and our staff safer. For that matter, this was something that we were looking into you know, pre-COVID, but you know, we we we've begun to work very closely with with groups in the smart building space to help us integrate these smart technologies and, and building automation systems into one connected building system. Uh, things like you know, voice control, facial recognition, keyless entry—all these technologies currently exist, but it's a very fragmented market at the moment, and no one's really done a good job of combining them into one platform, which is what we're working on. And I think not only will these technologies keep our residents safer, but they'll ultimately improve the the quality of life of our residents. And I I think we are somewhat fortunate at being quite nimble as an organization. Uh, We're able to adopt these technologies and and bring them to market much sooner than many of the other rental uh, providers out there that may have a thousand or tens of thousands of units under their portfolio. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, one of the things that keeps coming up in these conversations is, you know, in respects to what's changed as a, as a result of COVID is, 
a lot of times it's it's doing the things that you probably should have been doing anyways just now it's right. it's forcing you to do them sooner um right. so would you so again kind of going a little bit off script would you mind just kind of elaborating because it's it's really interesting would you remind uh, kind of um elaborating a little bit uh into the the smart technology uh, i know that you mentioned kind of voice controller how are without kind of giving away a lot of the secret sauce um, mm-hmm. would you kind of kind of uh, elaborate a bit sure we, we we've always been or at least we've uh, regarded ourselves to be quite innovative in the space as far as technology goes um you know good example i mean we we started using well landlord web solutions uh, the, 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 your previous brand you know years ago and um, we integrated that with some other you know property management platforms uh, along the way uh, the the smart technology uh, component really is is, is quite new um, it's as, as I mentioned before you know, there are a lot of innovative groups out there developing this technology, but they seem to be working in, in silos. So the, the challenge has really been putting it all together and, and making it not only accessible to our residents, but something that will actually be used by our operations staff. Um, and, and that's really that that's really the hurdle is is to come up with, with a way to to implement and um, adapt these technologies. Uh, through some platform that everyone within our staff and organization uh, can use quite quite easily. And you know, from from the resident standpoint, it's not only about. Of course, our priority is is to create these these safe environments, but it's also to uh, you know we look at other things. Smart technologies will um, help with you know, the environment. You know, when we talk about remote, you know, thermostat uh, and climate control within suites, smart lighting, you know, we, we could program and, and residents could program their suites to be basically have less of an impact on, on the environment through some of these technologies. So I, I, I think, you know, the, these, uh, the smart technologies will, will benefit us, our staff, our, our residents in, in many ways in just creating a uh, safer environment to live. Yeah, and I, again, going back to kind of why you initially got into this, uh, a lot of residents, specifically the ones that are, you know, looking, you know, that want to live that urban upscale uh, lifestyle without necessarily uh, seeing the value or, or wanting to at least buy at this point, um, are going to see value in that for sure. So kind of switching gears a little bit, you know, so you've, you've been in the game for well over 10 years. It's a, it's kind of a new, new world at this point. Is there, is there any advice that, you know, you would give maybe any new uh, real estate developers, maybe who are getting like you were getting in a, you know, a year or two after the financial crisis there, they may be getting into the game or already kind of, they were in the game just early. Uh, and any, any uh, advice that you would, uh, you would give real estate developers or operators uh, going forward? Yeah, I think I would say don't try to compete on scale. There, there will always be bigger players than you out there. Instead, find your niche. You know, what's, what's your unique value proposition? What, what will differentiate your buildings and projects 
from the rest. And, and once you've figured out what that is, don't compromise your brand. A good example um, is that, as you know, we're, we're very passionate about great design and, and quality. These are some of the defining, defining principles of home flats. However, great design is expensive and, and it can be very tempting to reduce costs in our newer projects by scaling back on, on some of these design elements that we know will make our buildings better and more unique buildings. But again, it's easy to fall into this trap and, and you end up diluting not only your brand, but ultimately, uh, I think, the value of your organization. So I would stay, you know, stay principled. That's uh, sage advice. Um, so we've kind of alluded to this a little bit, or we've talked about it, um, just we've touched upon it, but kind of as a follow-up question, in your view, what does the future of the purpose-built rental market look like now uh, in a post-COVID world? Or, you know, where, where was it going kind of before all this craziness started? Yeah, well, I, I think ultimately the, the purpose-built rental market in the post-COVID world will look very similar to uh, that of, of the pre-COVID world, at least in Toronto. I mean, of course, in, in the shorter term, we're not going to see the same lifts and rent on turnover that we're seeing you know, pre-pandemic. There are a number of supply and demand factors at play today, which are unfortunately putting downward pressure on rent. You know, we're, we're seeing you know, a lack of immigration, you know, people are leaving the city. Uh, there's been the recent flood of Airbnb units uh, to the long-term leasing market. We're going to see some new product coming on stream relatively soon. I mean, I can go on and on, but eventually this will balance itself out. And I think demand will certainly come back to Toronto. Um, and, and I think that the groups that can adopt uh, new technologies into their buildings and, and find really innovative ways to create safer environments for the residents uh, are going to be positioned to do quite well in the long run. So I, I'm not worried. No, absolutely. Again, kind of better value prop, uh, obviously find your niche. Those type of things are important anyways. Uh, but like I said, there's always ebbs and flows in, in any type of market. And obviously real estate is, is no different. Um, so now we kind of move into my, uh, my favorite uh, part, part of the conversation, which is usually the quick fire, um, kind of before we come to a close. Uh, so I'll say a statement and you'll have about, you know, 60 to 90 seconds to, to respond. So Julian, are you ready? Fire away. <laughs> what do you believe that others might disbelieve? Well, uh, sticking uh, with the COVID theme, I, I, I don't believe that uh, working from home will become the new normal when we're out of this mess. Call me old school, but I think it's very short-sighted for uh, some of these large organizations to, to make such sweeping statements that you know, they don't anticipate their staff ever having to return back to the office because things are working out so well at the moment. Uh, you know, we've been in this situation, this predicament for what, maybe seven months now. I, I, just, I don't think that's enough time to adequately measure the, the long-term consequences of a, a fully remote workforce to an organization's productivity. And, and more importantly, I, I just don't think that technology is there yet to, to truly replace those, those positive outcomes 
you get while collaborating with, with clients and, and colleagues face-to-face in the same room. And really creating an environment uh, and, and culture that, that fosters creativity and innovation, you just can't do over Zoom. At least I haven't figured that out yet. You know, I, I'm seeing it with, within my own organization. Sure, everyone's working hard, they're doing their job, but I just, I feel that there's something missing. So, I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but that's, uh, that's what I believe at the moment. I literally just had that conversation with uh, my president uh, last night. <laughs> the same, same debate, not even debate, but it, kind of the same conclusion uh, as, as well. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of ironic that you, you brought it up. Um, mm-hmm. Next question, as, as a result of COVID, what have you changed your mind about lately? Uh, this one I, I probably shouldn't say, but honestly, uh, COVID has forced me to rethink my understanding of basic economics. I, I, I used to think, as I was taught in school, uh, that it, we were all more or less governed by the, the same set of fundamental economic principles. Clearly, with COVID, that's out the window. I, we're experiencing this social phenomenon unlike anything we've experienced in a lifetime. Uh, businesses are closing, you know, unemployment is through the roof. Uh, we've got GDP you know, plummeting, yet for some reason, the residential real estate market in Ontario, it, it's on fire. The stock market is booming. We've got you know, economic forecasts that are bullish. I, I'm just, I'm finding it very difficult to reconcile and, and make sense of this disconnect. And yeah, as do most other individuals and, and business leaders that I speak to today, they, they generally share the, share the same sentiment. So look, I, I'm sure it's just a matter of time before we figure this all out. But until then, it's it's somewhat disconcerting to me. Yeah, it's that whole concept of the black swan, um, you know, uh, event. It's just, it's, there's really no playbook uh, that anyone can, as far as from an economic point of view or an uh, economist point of view, can kind of turn to and say, you know, this is how it'll pan out. So it's it is definitely quite uh, concerning no, in that respect. In, yeah, I'm I'm inherently optimistic about things, as you mentioned before. You know, I, I went through the dot com bubble. I, I went through, you know, uh, the crash in two thousand eight while working within the, the real estate uh, industry. And I saw how resilient we were as a people, as, as economies. We bounced back relatively quickly and there were opportunities coming out of uh, those situations. And I, I still, to some extent, you know, agree and, and think that, you know, there are elements that we're experiencing now that we experienced back then. The main difference, of course, is that those were financial issues and crises this is it's a health related one and yeah you said it perfectly there's no playbook for this one so uh yeah it's uh but i am look i i don't mean to come across as gloom i i do think you know if there's any place i would want to be living and working anywhere in this world during this uh crisis and in post-crisis it would be toronto so, you know, we, we should feel grateful for that. Absolutely. Okay. So last question. This is an easy one. Where can people find uh, or go to to find out more about the Open Group? 
yeah, you can visit, visit us at opengroupinc.com or uh, feel free to email me at jb at openflats.com. Okay. Well, that's it for another episode, Julian. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, man. It's, it, was, uh, it was really a pleasure uh, to uh, speak with you. Um, Thank you. Okay. Well, that's it. Until next time, keep swimming. You've reached the end of another episode of Sink or Swim. Make sure to visit us at rentsync.com slash podcast to access show notes, key takeaways, and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in this show, please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. That's this week's episode of Sink or Swim. Don't forget to join us next time for another jam-packed episode. Thanks for listening.